0: Welcome to T&D Talk, a special series on the Line Life podcast channel. For each episode, companies can share their stories about how they are supporting the electric utility industry. Through their tools, technologies, products, and services, they're helping line workers and field workers improve their productivity and safety. This podcast episode focuses on HV installation. Our guest is Randy Denman, Director of High Voltage Services for Southwire. Randy has been in the industry for 25 years and is responsible for the safe, quality installation of 69 kV through 500 kV underground transmission projects. Randy, thanks for joining us today for TD Talk.
1: Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's good to be here.
0: First of all, how does high-voltage underground transmission cable help to meet the growing demands of the electrical grid?
1: As most people may be aware of or understand right-of-way space for these large overhead lines really is not as available as it used to be, especially in cities and growing urban areas. The customer power demand is increasing. Utilities are being required to bring online renewable energy like wind and solar. EV charging stations for cars are affecting the grid and adding load. And customers have come to expect, you know, the lights to stay on and they want their electronic devices to remain charged. And so the the utility systems are in charge of making sure they keep the electricity flowing. Underground systems can add circuits in existing right-of-way or a new circuit is constructed in a more narrow or smaller right-of-way in places like those growing urban areas in large cities where they just don't have room to put in the overhead lines. And then underground also has a a resiliency to weather and fire events that we seem to be seeing more and more on the news.
0: Randy, next, can you discuss the step-by-step process of installing the underground cable?
1: First and foremost, safety is the priority with any part of the work. So we always stress that when I'm giving discussions or information about these projects. So for all the workers involved it's Safety First, but the actual process of installing underground cable is to mandrel and clean each conduit that's in what we call an underground duct bank you want to make sure the conduits are clean so that it doesn't damage the cable when they're pulled in the pipes can also get overbent or you could have a problem with one getting narrow and so those conduits they're plastic conduits so you want to make sure they're perfectly round and that they're clean and then each cable is what we call jacket tested on the reel before it's pulled in to make sure it hasn't been damaged during transportation from the cable factory to the storage site out where the job is cables are pulled in one cable in each conduit and you have to maintain the proper pull tensions on the cable you know you got to have the right equipment with measuring devices on it to monitor pull tensions and as you're Unwinding the cable from the reels, you want to make sure you don't overbend the cable, which could damage the uh, insulation because this is a plastic insulation. And so you don't want to overbend, which could possibly cause cracks or very small imperfections that could affect cable performance. And after the cable's pulled, you cut the ends from what the pulling setup is and when it comes off the reel, and you want to make sure you seal the cable in so that you don't get water inside the cable. And then after the cable pulling is complete, each circuit is going to have terminations. They may be outdoor terminations that are in a substation or on a riser pole, or in some cases, circuits will have what's called a GIS termination on the end, and that's a special type of switchgear that are in substations. And then depending on the length of the circuit, you may also have splices, uh, which go in underground vaults, and the vaults are considered confined spaces and you have to make sure you have the proper safety equipment for going in and out of those locations. But once the cable's terminated, and if there are any splices, the cable uh, is spliced, then there's finally a commissioning or acceptance test. And this can be as simple as hooking the, that circuit up to the overhead line or a substation bus, but without load on it. So you're only hooking up one end or connecting one end of the circuit. You energize it at voltage, you let it set, or soak for 24 hours, and then with no problems, you connect the other end and you have a fully loaded circuit. On a larger, higher voltage circuits, it's more common to do what's called a, an offline AC test, and that's where you bring in special equipment. The equipment is connected to each phase of the cable one at a time. You energize or test the individual phases one at a time from end to end, and once you pass that test, then you turn the circuit over to the utility, and they are ready to uh, actually put load on that system.
0: Randy, what are some special precautions, design considerations, or best practices when it comes to undergrounding transmission cable?
1: It starts with the engineering. When you pick a site, you want to make sure that it's constructible, that you're avoiding potential right-of-way issues like historical places or uh, uh, environmentally Areas that you just don't want to disturb. And then you do a design of the cable system itself because you want to get the most power that you can through these cables. A lot of people don't realize is when you flow electricity through these insulated cables, they generate heat. And heat is what causes problems for these cables more than anything. When you have them underground, the heat is held in by the surrounding dirt as an insulator. So making sure that you have the right calculations and you know the conditions that the duct banks are going to be installed in first, and then when the cables being designed to operate under those conditions to maximize the system itself so that you reduce the amount of heat, but get the most power through the cables, if there are manhole splices, then you have to make sure the cables are secured and there's room to perform those splices in in the faults underground. Termination structures have to withstand the loading of the cables and the terminations, and and wind and weather. So it really all starts up front in the engineering phase.
0: What are some suitable locations for installing the HV cable underground?
1: Well, undergrounding uh, systems can be just about anywhere, but like I mentioned, you have to make sure you look at the route. You plan the route to avoid environmental or historical areas. Obviously, any large areas of rock you want to try to avoid because that leads to extra cost of the civil works of trying to blast, or break up rock to be able to just get conduits in the ground. So you have to know what's there and try to avoid those areas. And then uh, gets back to that constructability: where can you get equipment in to do the work? Do you have space to do the work? And then while that work's going on, you want to avoid you know minimum impact to the public cuz lane closures if you're along highways or inside city streets and just being sure that that location is constructible and and feasible to come back to because you have to be able to go back to manholes you need to do inspections if there is a problem you need to be able to get back to work and make repair but as far as suitable locations just about anywhere
0: Southwire's factory-certified team of installers have installed more than 7 million feet of HV cable with zero cable failures. What are some strategies for success when it comes to installation?
1: Well, again, it starts with the design. You want to make sure that you design the system to operate as maximum as you can. It goes continues through civil construction. The, The duct bank is built properly. The conduits are clean and installed properly. But then when you switch over to the cable itself, you know, we use the high-quality material that makes up the plastic insulation. So you have different layers of that plastics. So you want to have, make sure you have the high-quality material. You have a very strong quality control in place to check the material as it's received. You're checking the quality of the manufacturing as it goes from step to step through the plants. And then, again, is attention to detail, once you start actually installing the cable in the ground, You need experienced personnel. You need equipment that's in good working shape. Use the proper tools. Follow the fitting instructions on accessories. You know, uh, terminating, splicing. It's not, oh, I remember doing this or I remember doing that. It's making sure you follow the fitting instructions. And then that final field testing of the cable system to make sure that you've done the work properly, the system tests good, and then it's turned over to the utility and you avoid those cable failures.
0: Thank you for explaining that. That's really interesting. And also, how long have you provided the installation service, and how are your installers trained and certified?
1: Well, our first installation services go all the way back to 2000. We only had a group of two cable joiners then. We've grown to, presently, we have 14 cable joiners, or we call them field techs. They come to us from either internally of Southwire or from outside the the Southwire family. They have different backgrounds, but they all have a, a very technical hands-on skill set. We make sure that they are trained and certified by our accessory manufacturers. So again, like I mentioned earlier, there are fitting instructions for each accessory and how it goes on or is installed on the cable. the cable, prep work is done. Doesn't matter which accessory or who the maker is, the cable prep work has to be done ahead of time. So that skill set has to be developed and maintained. So they're trained, our techs are trained by the accessory manufacturer. They receive their certifications and then that's renewed on a two to three year basis. And the thing for us is those 14 field techs that's all they do. They are just working on our underground system. So it helps keep their uh, skills sharp and that they're always learning best practices to, to make the job better.
0: And your team offers such services as project management, cable pulling, splicing, terminating, sheath bonding, and grounding. Can you explain more about each of these services?
1: Yes, yeah, so a project management is just that. When we receive a project from a utility customer, then we oversee from start to finish the whole project. The cable pulling and splicing and terminating, that goes back to those 14 field techs that I mentioned. We can self-perform the smaller projects depending on where they're located. We have the equipment to actually pull cable from end to end and then the special tools for splicing and terminating. If the project is a bigger size project, maybe it is in a large city location, then we work with subcontractors that have more of the pulling equipment and they have those bigger crews that can help us pulling cable. They also can support us during splicing and terminating. The sheath bonding and grounding goes back to the engineering side that I I talked about that happens early on. The sheath bonding grounding is a way of making sure the cables are connected in a way that reduces the heat so you don't get circulating currents, for example. It reduces the heat, it gets the maximum power through each cable and makes for long-term, you know, 40 year life is what we're expected out of these cables. So the sheath bonding and grounding is part of our engineering group. The cable pulling, splicing, terminating is part of our field services or high voltage techs group. And then we have a group of dedicated project managers that keep the work scheduled and oversee the process from starting to end.
0: And how does the utilities field workforce of line workers assist the Southwire crew with the installation and maintenance of the HV cable?
1: Well, obviously we are working on circuits that are not energized and we don't work around energized lines. So it's the line workers are gonna be the ones that come in and make necessary switches, operations, or maybe remove jumpers, overhead jumpers, or bus work in substations or overhead lines to make sure we have safe work areas. The line worker may be an inspector for that particular utility to, to oversee the work that's going on and make sure we're doing things in a safe, quality manner to meet the utility's expectations. And then once the system is installed and out of sight and the circuit itself does require maintenance and line workers being out there on the front line, you know they are the eyes and ears to look for visual inspection of cables where they come out of the ground, looking at the terminations for signs of oil leaks because these insulators do have an insulating oil in them, like transformers. They can look for any possible damage from outside uh, for just normal operations, uh, and and report those back if they find those.
0: In falls here and winter is coming, so can you discuss the installation process during cold weather situations?
1: Absolutely. So like I mentioned and have said for us, XLPE cables, I do want to take a step back to our two types of high voltage cables. There's EPR or a rubber cable that are at lower voltages, like 69 and 138. And then the XLPE or plastic cables are the cables that go from 69 to the higher voltages up to including 500 kV. So plastic, like anyone can imagine when it gets real cold, it can get brittle. And so we have to make sure that when we know we're going to be working in cold weather, and I'm talking about less than sub-freezing temperatures, we have to make sure that the cables are heated and it helps the plastic insulation stay flexible. We keep the cables heated overnight before we pull the cable. And that may include building a tent-like structure around the reel and having uh, portable heaters in there to keep the heat going on the cable reel itself and the cable overnight and up to the point to where the cable reel is actually moved to the pulling location. And so obviously that's extra work, that's extra care that's taken so that somebody's inspecting the cable heating overnight and then taking precautions while you're pulling the cable to make sure the lubricant that goes on the cable while it's being pulled in is not frozen and it's also kept warm. And the safety of the workers, as I mentioned earlier, working in cold conditions, making sure the equipment is operating. And so a lot of planning as we get into those cold weather situations about getting the setup right, performing the work and protecting the cable against damage.
0: And finally, please describe your HPFF retrofit solution and how it will help utilities to meet their current and future needs.
1: Yeah, it's an exciting time in the electric industry. That's a popular saying we hear these days. And utilities are looking for ways to use existing assets. And underground or HPFF cable systems have been around since as far back as the 50s. So it's a steel pipe that's already in the ground. It has cables in it that are called paper insulated cables. And there's an oil that uh, pumps through that pipe with those cables to help that insulation do what it's supposed to do so they have the existing steel pipe in the ground and they don't want to necessarily have to dig up streets and you can imagine places like city of new york manhattan chicago detroit where most of these systems were installed many many years ago so the hpff retrofit takes a plastic insulated xlpe cable insulated cable And combines it with a technology that's used for helically taping a shield around that insulation and then three cables are pulled into that single pipe so the old cables are removed the old oil has been pumped out the pipe has been cleaned and inspected to make sure it's not damaged and then this new cable design solution those three cables are pulled in they're spliced where needed they're terminated on the ends We're using the typical off-the-shelf type design, if you will, of splices and terminations with maybe a few modifications, but they're already designed to be on these XLPE cables. And in many cases, we're starting to see where we've performed case studies for some utilities based on what ampacity they have now and what they want to maintain or possibly get a higher ampacity out of. and. The main difference there is that these new cables operate at a higher operating temperature where the conductor can actually get up to 90 degrees C and the insulation can operate under that condition versus the old pipe top or paper insulated cables that had to be at a 70 degree C operating temperature. And so with those changes in temperature or with the quality of the insulation material, we've been able to run case studies for utilities where we can put in three cables and still meet the required load or in some cases actually improve on that. Again, it all goes back to the overall installation conditions that I talked about for any underground system. The main takeaway is that that allows the utilities to reuse that underground asset, that steel pipe that's already there. It keeps them from having to possibly dig up city streets or if there is any work that has to happen, it minimizes how much work is done. Again, minimizing the impacts to the public but it gives them a way to get more cable and more power into their system.
0: Randy, thank you so much for joining us today for t Talk. We appreciate you sharing your insights on HV installation with our podcast listeners.
1: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the, the time and uh, look forward to any questions that may come about.
0: Wonderful. And for more information about Southwire's HV cable program, please visit www.southwire.com backslash services backslash high hyphen voltage hyphen underground hyphen transmission. Also to listen to our other D Talk podcast episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Line Life podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen to all the episodes on TD World's special podcast page at www.tdworld.com/podcasts. Thank you for listening to TD Talk.